Hello, and welcome to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. My name is Sydney. I'm your host. I'm a wife, business owner, lifelong learner, and follower of Jesus. I was born and raised in Colorado and live here with my wonderful husband of six years. I'm passionate about people and have a knack for business. My hope is that we can learn together about doing life with grace and grit. We'll talk about all things life from faith and finance to business and balance. My prayer is that this will be a place of help, encouragement, honest conversation, and authentic growth. Thank you for joining me. Hi, friends, and welcome back. Today's episode is called Misplaced Trust, and I just kind of wanted to talk about the way things in the world are um, evolving extremely rapidly. I think we're going to start feeling a lot of the ripple effects of the war between Russia and the Ukraine. We're already seeing that at the gas station. There's a higher national gas price than we've ever seen in the history of ever. So average gas across the nation is about $4.17 per gallon. Um, Anyway, so I just wanted to spend some time and talk through trust. What does it look like and how does it play out in light of the circumstances that we're facing today. Uh, I think that it's just getting started. We're a little over a week in since um, Russia invaded the Ukraine. And there's a lot of different things going on, but it's easy to place trust in the United States military or to think, oh, if um, Biden can just sanction them enough to back down Um, Some people like to put trust in in the Pope or in a religious figure or in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, People like to put trust in themselves. You know, whatever happens, we've got this. We can pull pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps in the government and green energy and what can Elon Musk do. We see so uh, much misplaced trust, even amongst Christians and children of God and Um, I think good times cover up a lot of that because it's easy to do the right thing when it's easy to do. It's easy to love people when you're surrounded by loving people. It's easy to um, be gracious when there's not big stuff to have to be gracious about. Um, But trust is such a difficult thing. It's, I don't, I think the older people get, the more difficult trust gets. And and maybe that depends on where you're coming from or from past life experience. But in my experience, at least, I find it very easy to love people. And I find it very, very difficult to trust people. Um, trust takes a very long time to build and is easily broken. Um, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine on the phone a couple weeks ago. She uh, texted me and said, hey, could I just could I talk to you for a little bit? And so we were talking on the phone about, about trust. And it got me to thinking about everything that we see going on in the world. And I was remembering that six years ago, oh, maybe this month. Nope. Next month. So six, no, seven, seven years ago, next month is when I met my husband, Andrew. And we did not hit it off at all. So I'll t- I'm going to dig into that story a little bit just because it's going to kind of frame up what I want to talk about and the way I want to present it. Plus, I just I love telling our story because I think it's just so much fun. But I was working at a at a restaurant in 
Virginia and Drew was working at the same restaurant in Florida and we were going to, we were both grand opening trainers. So we were selected to serve on the same grand opening team to get a new restaurant opened up fully functioning and the team trained before we left to go back to our home restaurants. And uh, we were both selected for the same grand opening. And I, so we'd never met before. And I flew into the airport in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I was there for the launch week. So for the very first week and Drew came in for the second week. And uh, it was probably a 30 at night and we all have to carpool in these vans to share vehicles because we all fly in and then the team shares the vehicles we we uh, stay in the same hotel and then we have shifts that are the same as each other's so I went down and I checked with everybody to see if anybody needed the van nobody did I needed to run to Walmart to pick up a few things so I was walking out the door and one of the other trainers that I'd met earlier that week was walking in the door with somebody I hadn't met before and uh, the trainer that I knew came over and made introductions. He says, hey, this is Andrew. He's here um, to be one of the training leads for the next two weeks. And so we introduced each other. I said, hey, I'm headed over to Walmart. Do you need anything? And he gave me a list of a couple of things that he needed me to pick up. So we exchanged numbers. He gave me some money. I took the car, went, ran to Walmart, picked up what things that we needed and came back. And that was the first time that I ever met my someday husband. Little did I know because that was on a Sunday and we kicked off working together first thing on Monday morning. And right off the bat, we realized that we fought like cats and dogs. Um, we really, really did not get along for that first week. We pretty much hated each other. I'd go back in the kitchen and I was leading um, the front counter crew and he was leading the kitchen crew. And so we, we would go back and forth and back and forth. And he's a very intense person. I'm a very passionate person. We both give everything. It's all or nothing for both of us. And so uh, we were definitely at odds. We were butting heads a lot. But throughout the course of, so the first week was horrible. No good. Very bad. No shot. Like there is no no shot on either side. I don't think, um, I don't know, maybe Drew sees that story differently, but, um, he was a pain in the butt and that's, that was my first week's experience with him. But then on Saturday night, I was in the laundry room of the hotel doing my laundry, getting ready for the next week. And who, lo and behold, I sit in there reading a book, lo and behold, who walks in, but this, this, ferocious, argumentative, stubborn man, Andrew. So he throws his laundry in, he sits down, and uh, my first thought was, oh, great. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit here for an hour with this guy waiting for my laundry to get done. Um, but we kind of struck up a conversation and just started chatting. I think it was to be polite at first. And uh, so he started to tell me some of his story, and I was telling him some of my story. And through the course of that conversation, I think we ended up talking for like two and a half hours or something, much longer than it took to get the laundry done. But through the course of that conversation, we discovered that we had a lot more in common than we realized and that maybe the other person wasn't quite so bad after all. So the next day was Sunday and we were doing some sightseeing and looking around the 
in Cheyenne and we were both, we got our schedule. We both were scheduled for the same shifts for that week, next week. And so we made, we're like, okay, well, we're stuck in Cheyenne, Wyoming. We have to share a vehicle. We're on the same shift. What are we going to do after we get off work? So we made a bucket list of the most Wyoming things that we could think to do. So um, go to uh, Buffalo Ranch and go to um, some of their best restaurants or set off fireworks on a country road or go horseback riding. So we made a whole entire list. I think bowling was on there too, maybe seeing a movie. But then every day when we get off work, we'd pull our little list out and be like, okay, what's, what are we going to pick today? And we made one one activity for each day and then we'd go and pick one and so throughout the course of that week we got to just explore Wyoming together and work and we had a blast we had so much fun and it seemed that once we kind of realized more about the other person we both got on the same side and we were working hard together to get stuff done as opposed to being on opposite ends kind of bumping heads with each other um and so long story short I'll share more of that with you down the road, I'm sure. But long story short, I left that grand opening and I kind of thought I wouldn't ever see him again. I knew that I liked him, but I just didn't know where it was going. I was pursuing a career extremely actively. I was not really looking for a relationship at that point. Um, I had some other focuses that I was just very at peace with who I was and where I was headed. And um, he reached out to me. And we kind of started texting a little bit here and there and then talking a little bit here and there. And then before we knew it, we were talking for hours and hours and hours. And throughout the course of that, I got scared because I'd got my heart broken before and I didn't want to go through that again. And I'd only met this guy. We'd, we'd known each other for two weeks. And now I realized that I really liked him and I, I didn't know him all that well very well at all because our entire relationship had been long distance. We'd been talking on the phone, um, but you can only talk so much about the weather and uh, how's school going and what's going on at work before you really start getting into deeper, more weighty conversations. And so we'd been talking for a few months and I got scared. I got really, really scared uh, because I just didn't want to get hurt again. And then I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to friend zone him. And I know that's the worst. I'm, I'm the worst. Okay. I know it's, I, I just know you don't have to tell me. I already know I, I'm the worst. So I was like, okay, I can't handle this. But at that point I wasn't admitting my, to myself that it was because I was scared um, or nervous or afraid of being hurt again. More so I was telling myself that I was too busy. It wasn't the right time. We were both trying to pursue individual careers. He was still in school. Like there was all of these, um, logical excuses that I was putting in. And so I decided I was going to friend zone him. And the day I was going to tell him, he didn't text me. He didn't call me. He didn't check in, which was very strange because uh, we'd been doing that every day for months. So we get to the end of the first day and I hadn't heard anything from him. And I thought, okay, well, you know, he just had a busy day. There's a lot going on. I'll talk to him tomorrow. So the next day, same thing, crickets, no texts, no call, no nothing. And there's that unspoken uh, rule, question mark, that you can't talk to somebody else unless they, unless, like, if I said goodnight first, and so I didn't want to be the one to say good morning because that's forward. I know it's silly, but it's, dating is hard, okay? 
figuring out other people is hard. Just relationships difficult, right? And so uh, day two passes and I was like, man, I kind of, I miss this guy. And then day three comes and goes and I'm thinking, man, maybe he's sick. You know, maybe he's sick or something. And then day four comes and goes and I'm like, you know, maybe he decided that he didn't really like me that much. Day five comes and goes and I'm thinking, well, maybe there's another girl that just, I don't know. And by day six, I'm thinking, well, maybe he got in a car accident and he's dead. And I just don't even know. You know how we do that in our heads. I don't. It's anyway. So I'm thinking he's been seriously injured. He's dead. I'm never going to know about it. So while all this is going on in the same in the same side by side in my heart, I'm going through this realization that not only do I like this man, I really, really like this man. Uh, And then a further realization that I would be an idiot to let him go. Um, scared or not, using that as an excuse to let go one of the most remarkable, intelligent, wonderful people that I'd ever met in my life was stupid. And I, I was realizing this, but I, at that point I was starting to become honest with myself where I realized I was just really afraid. And I was sitting there and I was praying and I was saying, God, I'm scared. I am so scared of getting hurt again. I don't know if I can trust this man. I don't know if I can trust him with my heart and my future and and maybe a future family that scared me. And so I was praying about it and wrestling with it because I'd come to the point where I was being honest and I could recognize what it really was. It wasn't any excuses that I was saying that it was. And God kind of just impressed on my heart. The Holy Spirit just says, Sydney. Where, where in the Bible does it ever, ever say that you are supposed to trust a human? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to look. So I started looking and I started reading and digging into the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. I was like, all right, I'm going to find it. And I never did. I found a lot about where God told people to trust him, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Uh, don't trust in chariots or horses. Trust in God. Um, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I found a whole lot of that. But God didn't even tell the children of Israel to trust David when he killed Goliath. God did not tell the children of Israel to trust Moses when he was leading them out of captivity. God didn't tell Joseph to trust Mary when she said that she was still a virgin and that she was with child of the Holy Spirit. Um, there was nowhere in the entire scripture where we're told by God to trust another human, even in the most precious, intimate relationships that we have. And so I got to the end of that. I said, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? And again, he impressed on my heart, this still small voice. And he says, trust me. He says, do you trust me? And I said, yes, I trust you. I just don't know if I trust him yet. Like, that's a big, that's a lot. And I'm scared. And he says, you're not supposed to trust him. You're supposed to trust me. And I have given you this man to be your husband. And I was so happy. I was so delighted because I wanted it to be him so badly. But I was scared. I was still scared, even in spite of all of that. And I was still scared. And 
so, you know, God just placed on my heart. You need to trust me. So God says, trust me. And I said, okay. And in that moment before Drew and I were even officially dating as boyfriend and girlfriend or engaged, I knew that if I could get him to talk to me again, that I would marry him one day. So day seven rolls around and I'm mad at that point. Not only, well, I'm excited because I thought that if I could get him to answer, I was going to marry him. But I was frustrated because who talks to a girl for months straight and then falls off the face of the planet? And there's reasons for that that I'll tell you another time too. But so I texted him and I'm a very technical texter. I like punctuation and full words and um, I'm an absolute nerd. So I, but I was really mad. So I texted him the letter R, the letter U, the letter O, the letter K, question mark. So I said, are you okay? Question mark. Like 0.5 seconds later, he texts me back. He says, oh, hey, I'm doing great. Life is good. Classes are going really well. Um, you know, I would just be doing a lot better if you would actually talk to me. And I was furious. I was so angry. I said, you know what? Just, just call me. So he calls me and I'm livid. I'm so angry because he just disappeared, fell off the face of the planet. And he wasn't sick and he wasn't dead. And he just wasn't talking to me for no good reason. And so I'm on the phone, I'm yelling and I'm hollering and I'm going on and on about how that's not fair. And how dare you play with somebody's emotions? And I said, because I like you. And he goes, stop you like me? I said, no, I just talked for to, to, to all random dudes for hours on end. And I don't think he heard anything I said after that because I could just hear him smiling through the phone. Um, apparently in all of those months, you know, it's easy to blame him for just not talking to me, but in all those months, I'd never actually told him that I liked him. And so he kind of just thought, well, maybe she's just being nice to me or maybe she's just, you know, more friends. I don't know. And so we got off the phone and I knew the moment that he called me, that that was, that I was going to marry him. And the, the point of that was, but God still didn't tell me to trust him, not, not to trust Andrew. He told me to trust him. And God said, you've got to put your faith in me. It's not going to be in a human because humans will break confidence and let you down and disappoint you. And that's just part of the human experience. That's part of doing life with people and going deep with people. The closest people to you are always going to be the ones that have the power and ability to hurt you the worst. And from time to time, we will hurt each other. Um, but so often we misplace our trust because it's easier for us to trust things that we can see and touch and feel and experience. And it's harder to trust God. It's harder to put faith in something we can't see. But faith in Hebrew says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, we are called as children of God to love people hard but to trust God fully and trust is difficult. It's a, it's a hard thing to learn how to trust. Um, and so many people will trust God with eternity, but they won't trust God with tomorrow, which is a funny quirk of humanity. But even I find myself worrying or having anxiety about what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to come down the pike now that we're shutting off oil imports from Russia and now that our Keystone pipeline is shut down and gas prices are about to go through the roof. And now we're trying to pressure Venezuela to give us 
oil and they're dragging their feet. OPEC won't even answer. The Saudi countries are talking to Russia instead of talking to us. There's just a lot of things going on that are going to affect everyday life because if it takes three times as much money to get a loaf of bread into the grocery store than it does now. It's not just costing us at the pump. It's not just costing us um, at a higher level. It's going to trickle down. It's going to affect consumers. It's it's going to rock our world. It's going to change the world as we know it. And so, you know, people want to be able to trust that our government has best interests in mind. We want to be able to trust that our elected officials are acting on our behalf. But I think that more and more we're seeing that that's not the case. People are acting in their own best or special interests on their behalf to create and further their agenda. And we're seeing seeing the outcropping of all of those things conflating at the same time on a global scale. And so I know trust takes time to build. It's not a flip that switches overnight. Um, and, and it's a, it's a hard thing. I don't expect people to just wake up one day and say, okay, I trust God. I'm ready. I'm ready to trust God fully. And then you wake up the next day and you never worry about anything again and you never carry burdens again. But when our trust is misplaced, that's when we get worried. That's when we get overwhelmed. That's when we get tired and exhausted and burnt out. And God says, put your trust in me. Um, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Trust, God will never break it. When it's placed solely in him and not in what we want him to do, like he's a genie in a bottle, or we don't place our trust in the outcome we expect, but in the perfect person that God is, then that's when we can take the first step. It's just like the man in Mark where he said, Lord, I need you to heal my daughter. And he says, if you believe, I'm going to heal her. And and the man was humble enough and honest enough to say, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. My faith is weak. It's there. I'm trusting. I'm trying. But it's still really weak. And help my unbelief. And that needs to be our prayer. And that, God, I trust you for eternity. Help my unbelief. Help me to trust you for tomorrow and next week and next year. Um and when we can do that, it's gonna fill, it fills us with focus and joy and takes away anxiety, knowing that God genuinely does have our best interests in mind and is ever faithful. Um, there is never going to be a circumstance that catches him off guard or takes him by surprise or that is purposeless. Um, the other day, Drew and I were sitting at the dinner table and he says, okay, I have a question for you. He says, I saw somebody ask it and I thought it was really good. He says, what is God not capable of? What is there anything that God can't do? And my first answer was lie. God cannot lie. Uh, and then I said, well, God can't sin. He can't, he can't sin because that would be antithetical to everything that he is. Um, but I was thinking about that later. And, and the next thing I thought was God isn't cruel. People that are cruel do do things just for the sake of being mean or hurting somebody. God is not cruel, which means when we go through hard times and we go through challenges and we face big problems, that's not because God is cruel, because he's not capable of cruelty. It's because God is a God of justice and care and intention and love, and he does everything for our good and for his glory, and we can trust that. We, we can trust that God has our best in mind. Sometimes trust is without seeing. It's like a cloudy night, but you know the moon and the stars are still there. You just can't see them. 
But when we learn to trust God without reservations, he gives us confidence and joy in all circumstances and all events, including the ones that we're facing today, whether it's challenges with family or trying to figure out relationships, or maybe it's a loss of a job or trying to figure out if you should take a a different job or whether it's to move or buying a house or getting finances in order or trying to figure out what to do with what's coming and prepare. Uh, The Bible says that a wise man seeth the trouble and turns aside, but a foolish man passes on and is punished. When we get our eyes on the storm, like Peter, we will sink into the overwhelming troubles of life. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we're able to rise above our fear and struggles and failures and mountains and walk where God calls us to walk. And he's going to call us to go where we can't go by ourselves. When Peter had full confidence in God, he could do the impossible. Peter was able to to experience something supernatural. Peter walked on water. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. And he gets a lot of poo-pooing because he sunk. I didn't see anybody else getting out of the boat even. And so his courage is commendable. And um, I like Peter. I know he's a mess, but I really like him. Uh, when we, when, when Peter feared the storm though, more than he had faith in the savior, that's when he sank. Uh, he got his eyes off of Jesus and he got his eyes onto the storm. And I know that that's a common message. And we hear the story of Peter walking on water so often, but I think it's so important, um, because it helps us understand faith in a more tangible way, which is funny. It sounds like an opposite or a, uh, dichotomy because faith is seen without is believing without seeing but the story of peter gives us a foundation for believing without seeing that i think is very beautiful Um, but even when jesus when peter sank jesus wasn't done with him you know we talk about a just man falls and gets up seven times we talk about how if peter would have just kept his eyes on jesus he could have continued to walk on the water um but even after that The second half of the story is every bit as remarkable as the first half of the story because Jesus had compassion and pulled him out of the water and kept him from drowning. He didn't just let him drown. He said, well, your faith, you know, just wasn't strong enough and your trust isn't in me. There you go. Trust in yourself again. So you're just going to have to bear the consequences of your own actions. So I guess you're going to drown. No, Jesus, Jesus saw him. And when he reached up his hand and recognized that he needed help, Jesus reached out his hand and pulled him up out of the storm. It's not Jesus' fault if we're overwhelmed and drowning, but he is right there reaching out his hand and telling us we can rise above our storm and walk over it and through it too. Jesus didn't stop the storm in this case. He encouraged Peter to walk through him while fully trusting and keeping his eyes on Jesus. We can rise through our storm as well. I don't think God's going to stop the storm. I think we are headed as a nation, as a planet, uh, we're headed to some very challenging times. Um, I think there's going to be hard, hard times in the days and weeks and months and even years ahead. This is going to turn a lot of life as we know it upside down. Um, And that's just coming out of COVID, right? Like the last two years, our entire life has been turned upside down. And I think it's about to happen again. But Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we need to trust in the name of the Lord. 
so often our trust is broken because we place it, we put it in the wrong places. We expect um, people to come to the rescue or to do the right thing or to act in in best interests when we ourselves don't even live like that. The majority of the time we are acting in our own best interests and, and serving ourselves. And that's why it takes supernatural trust, supernatural effort to be able to live the life that God has called us to where we place our trust fully in him and act accordingly. But here's the thing. Trust always translates into action. Trust and obey. Faith without works is dead. Trust is always going to translate into action. And so the question for us here is, is there action in our life that shows that we're trusting God? Are we climbing out of the boat? Are we are we looking at the storm and getting ready to walk onto the water? Or are we hiding? Are we cowering in fear? Are we filled with worry and anxiety? If we're trusting God, then our trust is going to translate into action where we're going to live a life that's faithful. We're going to faithfully tithe and give to God's ministry, even when it challenges our finances. We're going to serve God with our time by attending church faithfully and spending time with the body of God. We're going to be a faithful witness and ambassador to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation, even if it's scary, even if it's not popular, even if it's anti everything that the world is teaching us and telling us we are allowed to say and speak and be in this day and age. And I know it takes courage. I know it takes supernatural events to be able to walk on the storm. But when we're, when our trust is not misplaced, when our trust is fully in God and not in man, then he gives us the ability and the power to be able to do that. Even if we're still afraid, even if we're nervous, even if we're not sure how it's going to work out. I bet, I bet you anything Peter's knees were shaking when he was getting out of that boat. Mine sure would have been. But every time I've obeyed God and I've climbed out, he's blessed it in remarkable, supernatural ways. And that's how I want to choose to live. And the amazing thing is, over time, God never breaks trust. He never lets us down. He never disappoints. And the longer we walk with him and the more that we step out in faith and put our money where our mouth is and our action where we say that our trust is, he's so faithful. Every single time he provides, he protects, he makes a way when there seems to be no way. And he allows us the opportunity to be a blessing and to be salt and to be light for other people. And so I encourage you, step out in faith and don't don't put your trust, don't misplace it. When it is misplaced, it leads to brokenness and hurt. And a lot of times God's get, God gets blamed for that. And God says, you can't trust man. You can't trust flesh. You can't even trust your own flesh. But we have to trust the Lord and we can. And he builds it and he grows it and he allows us to have more. You know, here, God, I believe, help my unbelief. And as we head into the days ahead, I think our trust is going to be tried. Our faith is going to be put to the test. And my heart's desire is that it comes out stronger and purer um, for it, for the testing. Um, So I'm praying for you. I hope you have a great week. I hope this challenges you and encourages you to place your trust fully in the Lord and who he promised and who he is. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. 
you can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or by email at gracefulandgritty at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.